As Chrissy said, we keep on praying. <laughs> and uh, please join me as we pray for the reading of the scripture. Holy Spirit, come into our hearts and prepare us to receive this, your living and active word. May it take root in our hearts. May it bear fruit in our lives. We pray in the name of Jesus, who is the word made flesh. Amen. Our Bible reading today is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10, verses 25 to 37. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers, who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. You go and do likewise. The word of the Lord. When uh, Dan was up here, I forgot to remind us that after the service, uh, we have an opportunity to tour West High School and, and the renovations there. Uh, so everyone's invited to join us. Uh, we'll meet on Ash Street uh, on the, the, the front uh, side of the, of the building. Uh, and there are extra lunches available. So if you didn't RSVP and ask for a lunch, uh, Karen uh, has uh, plenty available. Uh, so uh, please get one from her. Uh, today is our final sermon in our series, Going Through Geneva's Mission and, and Vision. And over the last month, uh, we've been going through the mission statement, uh, line by line, and you'll always find uh, the mission statement on the inside back cover of, of the bulletin. Uh, the mission of Geneva Campus Church is to glorify God by embodying the gospel of Jesus Christ in our life together, equipping each other to serve Christ's kingdom, and engaging the university, the city, and the world uh, with Christ's love and redemption. And so, two weeks ago, uh, Pastor Evan uh, led us in reflecting on what it means to engage the university, 
And today we want to conclude by talking about how we uh, engage the city and, and the world with Christ's love and redemption. At, at its heart, this part of, of our mission means that we are an outward-facing church. Uh, we're not a church that exists just for ourselves, uh, but we're a church that exists for others. And we have a holistic vision of renewal. We certainly want to invite people to investigate the Christian faith, to, to come to know Jesus and, and his love, but we believe that we're called to pursue renewal in every area of life, not just spiritually, but also culturally and socially. And this is why engaging our city is such an essential part of our mission. And so to help us think about this today, we're looking at this most famous parable of Jesus, the parable of the Good Samaritan. And uh, perhaps more than anywhere else in the New Testament, this parable helps us to see why we must engage the city as a church, especially in service to those in need, now, doing what the, the lawyer in Luke 10 calls mercy. And so there are three questions that this text helps us to answer. First, what's the character of mercy? What does it look like? By on the other side, rather than move towards those in need. And finally, what's, what's the way into deeper mercy? How can we grow in our commitment to showing this kind of love to others? So what's the character of mercy? What keeps us from mercy? And what's the way into mercy? Let's begin with the character of mercy. Jesus told this parable uh, to a man who had come to test him. But the man ends up being the one tested by Jesus. The man was a lawyer, which doesn't mean uh, an attorney, as, as we think about it today, but he was a teacher of the Jewish law, the Torah. He's a religious teacher uh, with all the right answers. He can summarize the whole law as the law of love, which is not wrong. Jesus does the same thing in other places. But his follow-up question and who is my neighbor? It reveals something important about the way in which he's thinking that leads Jesus to tell the parable. In response to the question, Jesus says, let me tell you a story. There was once a man traveling. He was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes. They beat him, and then they went away, leaving him half dead in the ditch. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man in the ditch, he passed by on the other side. Then a Levite, who was like a Jewish deacon, an assistant to the priest, he came by, and he also passed on the other side. And then finally, one of those despicable Samaritans came by, and Jesus says, oh, when he saw the man on the side of the road, he had compassion. He went to him, bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn, and he, he took care of him. The Samaritan reveals a different kind of love. He sees the man, and instead of moving away, he moves towards those who are hurting, and he's sacrificially generous despite any difference of identity that might 
exists between the Samaritan and the man who was robbed. He views him only as a human being, a human being in need, uh, a person worthy of unconditional love. And at the end of the parable, Jesus turns to the lawyer who asked him the question, who is my neighbor? And Jesus asks him, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? The man answers, the one who had mercy on him. Now, do you see what Jesus is doing here? He turns a question about the limits of love. Who is my neighbor? And implied, who is not my neighbor? He takes a question about the limits of love, and he turns it into a question about what it means to be a person of love. The question Jesus leads us to ask at the end is not, who is my neighbor, not of I a neighbor. It's a question of character, not of obligation. This is challenging because the character that Jesus puts on display here through the parable is extraordinary. Consider what the Samaritan teaches us about the character of mercy. Uh, The Samaritan's mercy is inconvenient, He's on a journey, and he has to stop and go out of his way to care for a stranger. The Samaritan's mercy is personal. He bound up his wounds himself. His mercy is costly. He pours on oil and wine. He pays for the man's room in the inn. His mercy is uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable socially because he didn't know this stranger. Uh, It was uncomfortable physically because he set him on his own animal to go the rest of the way. The Samaritan's mercy was caring. Verse 34 says, he didn't just drop him off at the end, but he stayed and took care of him. His mercy was committed. He promises to repay the innkeeper for any additional expenses. And finally, his mercy was risky because the way that Jesus tells the story with the man coming down from Jerusalem, this suggests that the injured man was Jewish So there was a cross-cultural element here between two groups that considered themselves bitter enemies. You know, as bitter enemies as the Israelis and the Palestinians today. And so by making the Samaritan the hero of the story, Jesus completely undermines and challenges the lawyer's preconceptions about what it means to be a neighbor. The lawyer's question assumed that he knew already what it meant to be a neighbor. He assumed that the world could be divided into people uh, to whom I have some close obligation, my family or, or my tribe, and everyone else outside of my circle. But for Jesus, neighbor is not a noun, but a verb. One can says, this parable means that one cannot define one's neighbor one can only be a neighbor. It's something that you do because of the kind of person you are. The Samaritan proved to be a neighbor by seeing the man in need and and stopping to help, even though it was costly for himself. He showed mercy. Jesus is clear in the the last words of 
our text today, his words uh, to the lawyer, that, that the character of this Samaritan shouldn't be an exception, uh, but the norm. You go and do likewise. The basic point here is, is not hard to get. Jesus is saying that caring for others in need, showing mercy, is not optional. It cannot be something that we get around to only after other important things have been done or if our budget allows for it. It's not just for certain people who have a special interest in social justice. It's not something extra, but essential. If you're not showing mercy, then you're not loving God and loving your neighbor in a way that leads to life. And it's not just this parable that, that teaches us this. There are many other scripture texts that we could go to. to you know, consider just one, 1 John chapter 3, uh, verses 17 and 18. Uh, but if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. So this is why uh, we must engage the city with Christ's love and redemption and do it in holistic ways in both word and deed. We, we have to do it because Jesus commands it. As Tim Keller says in his great book, Ministries of Mercy, a sensitive social conscience and a life poured out in deeds of mercy to the needy is the inevitable outcome and sign of true faith. By such deeds, God can judge true love from lip service. What we do reveals what's in our hearts. If this is true, then what keeps us from this kind of mercy? Jesus is also answering this question in the parable. If you sit with this story, if you meditate on it, it does, it does more than just widen your definition of love. It doesn't simply tell you what you should do, and you can take it as a, a moral lesson. It's also like an x-ray of the heart. And Jesus often spoke in... Because they have this way of getting past our, our defenses, past our natural, natural inclinations towards self-righteousness. The more you meditate on his words, they, they will begin to reveal what is inside of you. You will begin to see the things that keep you from mercy. Not on the outside, but on the inside. Have you noticed that there are two characters who contrast with the Samaritan in the parable? Uh, the priest and the Levite. Jesus could have told this story without them, couldn't he? Uh, but he doesn't. He wants us to think about what kept them from showing mercy to the man in need. It's easy uh, for us just to pass judgment on them, uh, but I think we can imagine that it was a difficult situation for them, and they had much to consider. Imagine that you are driving by yourself uh, in the dark, uh, in an isolated area, and you see a car broken down on the side of the road. Uh, do you stop? Or do you just keep going, assuming the best? Or, or maybe if you're really concerned that there might be a problem, you know, stop down the road and, and use your phone to, to call the police to let the professionals take care of it. But the priest and the Levite not only had their, their personal safety to consider, 
They also had their responsibilities uh, in the community uh, and their ritual purity to consider. Now, the man in the ditch is, is naked and, and half dead, which means he might have looked totally dead or, or close to it. And also, according to the Jewish law in Numbers 19, anyone who touches a dead body is unclean for seven days. And so if the priest or the Levite uh, touches a dead, this dead man and they become unclean, then their service will be interrupted. And uh, a lot of people won't get the help that they provide. You know, it's kind of like how these days, you know, we might avoid certain places or people because we're afraid of getting COVID. Uh, and what would be lost if uh, your pastor got COVID on a Friday, you know, for example, or, or something like that? You know, here's the point. Well, we can view this priest and this Levite uh, most charitably if we view them not just as cold, heartless people, but as people who have their priorities in the wrong order. They have elevated their commitment to purity over God's command to love. Often not some What keeps us from mercy is often not some deliberate act of disregard, though that, you know, that can certainly happen. But what is more common is that we put our priorities and our loves in the wrong order. We love our reputations and the regard of others more than we love speaking the truth about something that we know will make us unpopular. We love our own comfort and safety more than we love someone who needs assistance. We love those who are like ourselves in some way, socially, economically, racially, more than we love those who are different. As he often did, Jesus is reminding us uh, that, and, and, and the religious teachers of his day, uh, that the people of God were people whose origin story was the story of the Exodus and the story of being sojourners through the wilderness as a people without a home. And it was on this, the basis of this story that the law also commanded in, in Leviticus 19, uh, verse 34. You shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you, and you shall love him as yourself, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. So we've seen the, the character of the mercy, of, of this mercy in, in the Samaritan's actions. We've We've seen that Jesus' demand, uh, his definition of mercy is, is demanding. It calls us to a kind of love that, that challenges our tendencies towards self-protection and caution. He calls us to be a neighbor to anyone whom we see in need, whether they are in our own homes or, or simply someone God has put on our, in our path. We've talked about what keeps us from this kind of mercy. Now, let me just say a few final things about the way into mercy. How can we deepen our neighboring so that we truly have hearts of mercy and not just going through the motions? And there's one key thing that we need to see here in the parable. The whole parable is really designed to draw our attention to this. Uh, the difference between the priest and the Levite and the Samaritan. You notice the, the threefold pattern. By chance, a few things that are alike and a third one is different. Uh, verse 31, 
Now, by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Verse 32. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. Verse 33. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. All three come to the same place in the road. All three see the man in the ditch. But only the Samaritan has compassion. This is what sets him apart. He sees, and he responds with compassion. The same word that's used here is used to describe the compassion of Jesus elsewhere in the Gospels. Uh, For example, Matthew 14, 14. When Jesus went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. It's the same compassion that we find in that other famous parable of Jesus, the parable of the prodigal son. Uh, When the son comes home, it says, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. We find the same word in the Old Testament used to describe the character of God. And we heard it in our call to worship this morning. We we also hear it in Psalm 103. uh, As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. There's only one sure way to grow in compassion for those in need. It's to see that you also are a person in need who's received compassion. You see, if you just view service uh, to others as something you do because, well, you've got it all together, you're living a respectable life, you have some disposable income to share, uh, you know it's the right thing to do, uh, that will never lead to compassion. It might lead to duty, you might help some people, but your heart won't really be in it for the long haul. You won't be generous to the point of sacrificial giving. But if you've seen that you also are a person who needs compassion, and you've had an experience of it yourself, then you will naturally show compassion to others, no matter what their circumstances, no matter how different they might be from you. You will become a person of compassion, a person like God himself, who shows Vincent uh, talks about this pattern in his book, uh, Just Mercy. You may be familiar with uh, the Equal Justice Initiative, uh, which was founded by Stevenson, based in Montgomery, Alabama, uh, which helps people who are trapped in the criminal justice system, especially children and the poor and the wrongly condemned. Uh, He's helped hundreds of people who've, who've been cruelly mistreated, falsely accused, imprisoned, too often wrongly executed. And having seen everything that he has seen, uh, Brian Stevenson could be a very bitter person. But instead, uh, if you ever hear him talk, uh, he expresses compassion, forgiveness, gentleness. And in in his book, he talks about how moving near the broken has exposed his own brokenness and taught him about our common need for mercy. It's changed the way he sees He writes this, there is a strength, a power even, in understanding our own brokenness. Because embracing our brokenness, 
embracing our brokenness creates a need and a desire for mercy, and perhaps a corresponding need to show mercy. When you experience mercy, you learn things that are hard to learn otherwise. You see things you can't otherwise see. You hear things you can't otherwise hear. You begin to recognize the humanity that resides in each of us. If you want to be a person of mercy and compassion, then you must experience mercy and compassion. The good news, friends, is that is available to each one of us uh, in the one who told this parable today. We are all like the man in this story who needs desperate help. Yes, some of us don't look half dead at all. Uh, We seem to have it all together. But if we're honest... Our needs are great, uh, very great, uh, because we don't have a heart of love like what we've seen here today. We love ourselves more than we love our neighbor. We self-righteously justify ourselves and our actions. And we do our duty as if that's enough. And you know what? Jesus sees us in our need today exactly as we are. And he doesn't turn away. Because he is the good Samaritan who sees our need and has compassion on us. This is what Christians believe Jesus did by becoming incarnate as a human being and dying on the cross for the sins of the world. The prophet is showing mercy even at the greatest cost to himself. The prophet Isaiah says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. When you believe that Jesus has shown mercy to you, even died for you, then you will go and do likewise for others. You will go out of your way to show mercy even when it's inconvenient or or uncomfortable or sacrificial, so that you might love as you have been loved. Jesus says uh, to each one of us today, I am the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. Do you believe this? Let's believe it together. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for who you are and for all that you have done for us in the person and work of Jesus. We thank you for his mercy and his love, and we pray that you would make us people of mercy and love, uh, people who display his character. Help us to serve our city in his spirit so that others might uh, see not us but him and know that they also are loved. You know the needs and the challenges that exist. Help us not to be overwhelmed, uh, but simply to be faithful. Uh, faithful to the things to which you have called us, uh, even when they are unseen and hidden uh, to others or appear small in the world's size. We place our trust and our hope in you, O God. And we pray in Christ's name. Amen.